0: This is Josh Trent. You're at Wellness and Wisdom. This is a really special rebroadcast with my friend and fellow podcaster, Christopher Dufay. This is a rebroadcast of an episode that I recorded with Christopher live in person in downtown Austin. And I do a lot of interviews and the the choice ones, the ones that I really think will bring everyone value who hears them are the ones that I sometimes share on this podcast. And Christopher has a huge huge purpose in this world. He's figuring out himself in the most authentic way. He used to run a business called Coach's Cartel. He dives into money, relationships, love, success, and spirituality. He's someone that I think you're really going to enjoy, not only the way he asks questions, but also the way that there's no fluff. We will talk about in this episode how each of us have struggled in our life and what we've had to do to be in the position that we are today. Make sure you check out the Christopher Duvet podcast on Spotify and Apple and everywhere podcasts are listened to. This is the episode called The Proven Path to Living with Purpose and Meaning. If you yourself are going through a big change of career or relationship, or maybe you've just had that ache in your heart for a long time where you're not quite sure how to live with purpose, or what the meaning of all this is, I think you're really going to love this episode. Make sure you give us a shout on Instagram. I'm at joshtrendofficial. You can also go to joshtrend.com forward slash review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Now tune in for this one hour and 11 minutes. If you like numerology, you'll love that. (laughs) One hour and 11 minute length podcast with the one and only Christopher Dufay rebroadcasted with myself as a guest, The Proven Path to Living with Purpose and Meaning.
1: I want to say thanks so much, Josh, for you being here. Uh, We've been how long have we been connected for? It's been a couple of years. It's been a few years now. Two and a half, almost three, something like that. When I hugged you downstairs, I was just like, "We've done this before." Yes, but now it's actually physically. But we'll get through that end of the day as well. Physical body, absolutely. Um, The first thing I want to just go straight to the jugular with because you're someone that has some really amazing knowledge, and you apply it into wisdom. What is spirituality
0: to you? The definition of spirituality is so unique. I mean, there's probably hundreds of definitions. The, the way I experience spirituality, it's a knowingness. It's an understanding that the physical body is just one form. It's one expression of us. Mm-hmm. And it's this honoring of the mystery that is the creator. It could be God. I don't think God is a bearded dude in the sky. But it's an honoring. it's an honoring of whatever created us, whatever loving energy created us. It's a communion with that energy. It's an understanding of that energy. And also, most importantly, it's an honoring of the mystery of that energy. because we can't with our intellectual mind, we can't always describe with words exactly what God is, exactly what creator is. But it's a practice. I mean, its spiritual practice, we have a, a contract that we come into the world with. And when we go against that contract, it creates karma for us. And karma is like a cosmic debt card, right? And so, to the degree that I'm following my path, my soul contract, my, uh, my experience, my communion with spirit or spirituality will be easier or not. <laughs> That's the mystery.
1: I love this because yeah. when I think, especially from like the Buddhist studies that I've done, two questions I always want to help navigate myself is, is it true and is it useful? And when it comes to spirituality, the, is it true? There is relative truth and ultimate truth where it's, uh, there is no right and there is no wrong, but right is right and wrong is wrong. And so when it comes to the, is it useful part? This is where I think you've got some real notches on your belt. How does someone, because we're talking about spiritual bypassing, so I'm just going to kind of preface it. That's the direction I'm going to start pointing towards very soon. Okay. But when it comes to doing the work, as you say, the practices, how do we know that is it useful?
0: Yeah. You know who's a really good guy on this? And I'm going to paraphrase some of the things I learned from him is Jesse Elder. Mm. So he just introduced the concept to me. Is it true or is it useful? Mm. And like you said, there's subjective truth. There's you, the subject so for you what might be true may not be true for me but then there's objective truth so like if i drop this glass of water on the ground it's because there's a universal law of gravity right and i think there's a universal law of love as well i think the universal law of love is the most truthful thing we have because if i'm practicing giving and receiving love all my shit's going to come up so you want to get really practical with spirituality try practicing being in compassion, being in understanding, being in love for someone else without judgment. I mean, that's a, that's a tall order, Chris. That's a tall order here on planet Earth because I have my subjective life experience of me being a soul incarnated as Josh, and I have my epigenetic transfer from my grandparents, my parents, my great-great-grandparents, all the way back to Sicily on my mom's side, all the way back to England on my dad's side. So the core practices, I mean, there's many from there, but the core practices, can I be loving to you? Can I not judge you? Can I have compassion for you even when I'm triggered? You know, that's, that's, a, that's a lifetime journey right there. That's, yeah, that's the starting place. Right that's the starting place.
1: How do we know that we're doing a good job with it?
0: Your results. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm in a loving relationship if I'm abundant in my wealth, if I'm serving people from my purpose, I can just take a big breath and just look around me and say, okay, well, I like the results I'm getting, and I feel like I'm in integrity, and I don't feel any existential uh, anxiety or tension. You know, from my own story, I can say, there were many years before 2015, and even 2015, 2016, where I was just totally out of integrity. Mm -hmm. Like the money was in the bank, I was in a relationship, but it wasn't it wasn't aligned and people use this word alignment when it comes to like practical spirituality. If I'm aligned, it's something that I can't tell you with words why. I know that I'm aligned because of my subtle energy body, right? I know inside of me, inside of my body that I'm aligned, but I can't always use perfect words to describe that to someone else. You ever see somebody that's like super successful, they're in a great relationship, they have, homes they're just they're you you're around them and you feel like wow that that person's got something that i want it's because whether they know it or not whether they identify themselves as a spiritual person they're they're truly living their life in alignment and to live life in alignment we have to unpack a lot of suitcases of okay am i being loving am i being compassionate have i done my capital t lowercase t trauma unpacking and so we know it like when you're around somebody that's doing whatever it is they're supposed to do here on planet earth that's aligned with their soul you just feel it from them right like i feel it from you in the way that you smile or just your body posture your your eye contact you can we have all these one way actually a practical tool we have all these micro muscles in our face and and Bessel van der Kolk talks about this and your body keeps the score also um Stephen Porges and the polyvagal theory When I look at you, and I look at all the little micro muscles in your face, and the same thing when you look at me, we are trusting each other. That's how trust is built. Like, if I'm kind of like this in the interview, and I'm like, oh my God, what's he gonna ask me? That's not very trustable. But like, when my face is relaxed, when I don't have any hard lines on my face, um, and that's not to judge people that have lines in their faces, whatever, you get what I'm saying. We have this unspoken autonomic processing faculty in our body. And it goes right to the brain, tied to the amygdala, down to the vagus nerve. I'm breathing, you're breathing. If you're holding your breath, you're making me nervous. Mm -hmm. If I'm holding my breath, I'm making you nervous. But it's on this subtle level. So that's another practical spiritual tool. Can we also
1: call that the bullshit meter?
0: We could. We could. It's just something that you feel when you're around someone else. It's an intuitive thing. And There's not always words for it. You ever step into a room and you're like... The vibe seems off in here. I remember, I won't name the name, but like four years ago, I was doing a podcast with like a big influencer and I came in and I was like, it felt like they just got in a fight in here. Mm -hmm. And I later found out they did, right? Like him and his girlfriend. So there's so much more than what meets the eye. And even with what meets the eye, there's so much more that the eye sends information to the brain for. It's wild, dude, this human experience.
1: Okay. Okay. I want to try and bridge a gap right now between uh, what we might call worldly success and spirituality. Yeah. Where we can have uh, the extreme sides of the pendulum where we can have the doing sack and cloth, robe wearing spiritual people that don't have a lot of money to their name, and we have the other uber money, successful, powerful, achieve the things that do not believe in spirituality. And it's, I also find it funny because when you see the two, they're each playing social games at the same time, uh, with their social singling, but they're each doing the exact same thing, just mirroring each other over as well. Yeah. How? I would just love to know how you think we can bridge those two together. How do we be truly abundant in both of those worlds?
0: Well, I think if you're doing something you love, it's spiritual, whether you stamp it spiritual or not. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would actually attest that many people that call themselves spiritual but are broke, you know, you ask me, how do we know if it's working? Well, the bank account is one way that we know it's working. Mm-hmm. So we have like a financial bank account, we have a relational bank account, like my loving friendships, my, my woman or my man, and then we also have a bank account and how we feel, like what's our level of peace inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so look at your bank accounts. So I, I would attest to say that, and it's not to judge these people because man, I've been there. Yeah. I mean, I've so been there. Like when I started my podcast in 2015, I had just put my mom in a mental home. I had uh, broken up with a woman I thought I was going to be with, and I had gotten fired from a safe job, like all in the span of six months. So all of my bank accounts were fucking empty. <laughs> they were all fucking empty. So how was it working for me? How was my connection with God? How was my connection with myself working? It wasn't working. And I, I used the mirror of those bank accounts to, to say that. So for the people that are you know, wearing the robes, there's even a buddy of mine, Austin um, Austin Floyd here in, in, uh, in Austin, and he has a brand of clothing called Spiritual Narcissist, which I, which I think is really cool. And it's like the flowing robes and everything. So shout out to Austin. But, but he knows it's kind of like a satire, but it's also about grounding people in spirituality and not being this foo-foo spirituality where you know we look the part, we've got the big gem, we know how to sit in lotus position, you know, we look spiritual, we do yoga, we have the green smoothies but there's there's something missing from a lot of these people and i think you can feel it when you see them on instagram and especially when you meet influencers at conferences or when you see them uh in person like there's a there's a core difference between somebody that has embodied spirituality yes. it's like in their it lives in their body it, it is who they are yes. or somebody who's faking it till they make it yeah. and i think that's a big contrast yes
1: is it I appreciate you saying that because for me, when I decided, I was like, I'm going to do this show. This is the work that I also want to do. For me, the concept that I've derived so far is there's a money-making machine and there's a meaning-making machine. Yes. And the two don't actually necessarily have to actually be the same thing. Like if they're two circles, mine kiss, but they don't really overlap.
0: They're not making out.
1: Yeah. They're not really going for it with each Uh other. And I, I think for me, and this is where there's nuance and a spectrum to it because I think a lot of people, for example, think they have to make money from their art. Not necessarily, and this I, I really put it thanks down to Derek Sivers really like opening this up, but it was very much a case of like, oh, this right, like this has nothing to do with my businesses. And I can ha- sit here, have this conversation, happily invest to travel the world and be able to do this. Yeah. And because I'm like, oh, this is where I, I want to derive meaning from. Uh, and it's separate from the money making side of things. And when you share that, I was like, "Mm, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think especially when it comes to the spiritual bypassing is something I've wanted to be very conscious of and not falling into that realm. Yeah. Where do you see it go wrong?
0: spiritual bypassing goes wrong i think i think when it goes wrong really what spiritual bypassing is is it's a it's a dishonoring of self Mm -hmm. right because if i'm being honest about my level of consciousness my level of development then i can just speak to you honestly i could say you know what currently right now postpartum i'm still carrying 10 extra pounds and i can be honest about that yeah Yeah. and it's okay it like takes the pressure away from it yeah so when there's a dishonoring of self, the ego can be really crafty. I'm not here to demonize the ego. Yeah. So we can definitely go into like how the ego is actually a protector for us. It's a good thing. Um, but for many people that are influential, that are bypassing their own spiritual development, they're trying to jump. And I, I learned this from a friend called Alison Pillow. And she wrote a book called Finally Thriving, which is phenomenal. And she talks about this jump from 2, 3 to 4D. And also to 5D, right? 2d we're like out there we come into the soul here we are we're in 3d you're incarnated as chris i'm incarnated as josh so there's really no lies to that it's full truth you're born i'm born and then here we go through trauma everybody has trauma it's to be human is to have trauma and then we learn from that trauma and we're honest about that trauma and then we go into the 4d the 4d is where your subtle energy body all those systems we talked about that don't need words It's learning how to integrate and how to move that energy through itself. So in other words, things happen for us, right? Divorces, losing a business, getting an injury, you know, terrible things happen. And we can't always make meaning from them other than honoring the mystery. And so to the degree that I'm able to process things through me, and there's a ton of tools to do that, right? Talk therapy is one of them. Uh, Psychedelics are another one. Um, Really good nonviolent communication is another one. Breath work is my favorite, it's my all-time favorite. And so that's how I'm being honest with myself. And, And even as a leader myself, I am straight up honest on my podcast. I'm telling people where I'm at. I'm not trying to say that I'm fully evolved yet. I haven't reached nirvana. I'm not at the top of Hawkins scale. Like I'm I'm here, but I'm not the white belt. I'm not like just starting the journey. So I can help a lot of people. Because I'm 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 this far. Granted, I have a, a long way to go, but I'm further along the journey, and I'm honest about that, and I'm not trying to pretend. Because mm-hmm. whenever I pretend something, there's almost like a, a an existential pressure in my body, and that existential pressure is what gives me the strength to hold on the mask. Mm-hmm. And then when I speak to people through a mask, I'm bypassing my own healing. I'm bypassing my own honesty, because really the goal is that we get to five D, right? 5d is where things are easier they're they're not perfectly easy all the time but in 5d you know i look at some of your tattoos and the fractals you have art is beautiful a lot of art is effortless and if we can be honest about ourselves like our lessons in the 3d do our work with the subtle energy body with our physical body do all the work that's necessary to clean ourselves emotionally physically spiritually financially mentally I call that the wellness pentagon, that's what I teach. So the wellness pentagon. I learned the four from Paul, check, and then I added in financial because wow. it's a house. I mean, a pentagon is a house if you flip it up. Yep. And so this is my house, this is where I live with you here in this 3D world. Those are the things that I need to be honest about my current level of development. Otherwise, I'm, by, I'm bypassing myself and my own spirituality. And, I'm, and most of all, the, the even worse part, I'm doing a disservice to people that might follow my content or might learn from me. I'm bullshitting them. Yep. And it's so, it's so subversive, and I'm not coming from judgment here. It's so subversive the way that leaders use money as the carrot yes. and, and money becomes the ultimate goal instead of honesty and truth about their own place, their own level of development. And then that's where spiritual bypassing really comes from. So where do we go wrong with spiritual bypassing? It's not that we like go wrong. It, it's more that we get, we get distracted from honesty. We get distracted from honesty because we need to pay for the house or we, we feel the weight of the 3D responsibility so intensely that a scarcity conversation originates in the mind. And then we take that scarcity conversation and we make it real. Mm. And then we justify how we're going to make some money, but we're going to kind of bypass the real lesson that's needed to be learned.
1: I really love that. And I think especially I want this, like for me, the, the intention of it is like Hanlon's razor, where I want to put down to not arrogance, but ignorance at the end of the day. So when, if someone is doing, doing maybe on a path someone deems wrong, it's not from them being arrogant, them from being ignorant with it as well. Yeah. You, when, you, when you shared that with me, uh, I'd love to know what your thoughts are. This is a bit of a head-snapping term, but hopefully we'll bring it back in. and it comes um, to, what are your thoughts on how, like you said, uh, like a sole contract before. Yeah. So I think some people might call it a sole contract. Uh, I think other people might call it fate, other people might call it do you mean the goddess of fortune.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where does that play into, and how much should we accept, let's call it the goddess of fortune, when it comes into how our life actually unfolds in front of us?
0: Mm. It's a good one. Uh, there's a term called manifest destiny, and I think it was used when we came from East Coast to West Coast, when there was like this, in America, when there was this big you know, push to go out West. People called it manifest destiny. So one could argue that that destiny is something that we create with conscious thought and free will. But also one could argue that it was part of the soul contract unfolding. And there's many different ways to explain soul contract. Caroline Mice is a good one. Um, but I think I would define like the soul contract as before you and I agreed to come here, like before, your soul was out there in the ether. And it was like, Okay, I want to learn these five lessons Mm -hmm. here on planet Earth because the only way I could ever know what they feel like is is if I incarnate as Chris. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, there's no way I'd know what they feel like because I'm just a soul in 5D, not here in 3D. So I think and I feel what the soul contract is, is it's this agreement of lessons that we're supposed to learn, that is our destiny, that is our purpose. And a lot of times when people live their purpose, you've heard like, oh, your mess becomes your message or whatever you're struggling with becomes your gift to the world. Like there's some truth to that, dude. Mm-hmm. There's my, my mission on earth is wellness, right? Wellness and wisdom. So guess what I'm going to have the most lessons in? Mm-hmm. Wellness and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that's currently playing out in my life. But my soul contract is something that I'm either fighting against or I'm letting it move me. I'm letting it go with me. Kind of like... You know, and be here now when he says, you know, we're all just walking each other home. Mm. We're all just in this river and we're kind of going down the river. And I think some of us, because of free will, the soul can decide at any moment. I don't like the soul contract. I don't want to fucking follow that. I know I'm supposed to be this healer. I know I'm supposed to be a pastor. I know I'm supposed to be a podcaster. I know I'm supposed to be a father. But the soul, depending on whatever it wants to do, can say, I have free will. I don't want to follow my contract. And it can buck against the contract and that creates credit right that's karmic credit that we have to pay off either in this lifetime or in another one and i don't think that there's anything wrong with that i want to be really careful like i'm not shaming people for not following their contract for not following their path by the way someone's sole contract could be just to come into earth and be the most beautiful mother they could be Mm and be the most present loving father they could be or lead a company that does seamstresses, or it doesn't matter what it is. Like there is this, maybe in our world, there is this pressure and this narrative created that unless you're an entrepreneur, unless you're making multiple six figures, unless you're doing blank, then you're not following your purpose and you should stop playing small. I think that's subversive shaming I think when it comes to a true soul contract, we know in our subtle energy body, in our, in our physical body, like we know when we wake up in the morning or when we go to bed at night, the little voice in our head, that's our soul, because the soul speaks real soft. The soul's not gonna shout at you. Your mind's gonna shout at you like, come on pussy, do the email or do the thing. The soul's not gonna be like that. Like when you speak to your children, when you hold your children, it's, it's a soft, there's a softness mm-hmm. there. Your soul is connected to your children. Your soul is connected to the child inside of you. So that is part of a soul contract playing out. The fact that you're a father, the fact that I'm a father, mm-hmm. but there can be this pressure. And, and the only word that I, that I can think of is like an existential or a background pressure that runs through societal narratives that tell us we should be something or through like mom and dad that say, you should be a doctor. You should be a lawyer that can cloud the lens of what the soul contract actually is. And people can get confused like, oh, well, I thought when I was young, I just wanted to like play music or I wanted to speak on stage or I wanted to be a comedian or or whatever. Or I wanted to be an accountant. Cool. Like it's all good, but we can get clouded by that. And so there's a lot in there, right? But but we come into the world, we have the contract, we have the free will, karma is created, and then dharma happens after that. And so in dharma we're actually living our purpose right in in india they say that dharma is this uh for some people singular life purpose it's this you're, you're you're living your dharma chris you're you're a father you're a podcaster you're this you're that but then you might go through a tunnel and you might be like ah that's actually not my dharma you know my dharma has shifted now so so there's so much there man but that's not, that's the tip of the iceberg
1: no i totally love that and i uh... I'm sorry to the listener right now because it probably sounds like I'm eating a Sunday roast dinner
0: because I was like, they know you fast a lot though. So maybe you're just hungry. You might just be hungry. Ah, uh,
1: That's really funny. Uh, when you speak of the soul contract side and uh, a big question that we may ask ourselves is like, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? And uh, Sophia, uh, the, I, for the listener that can't see the YouTube video, uh, was my sister. And so my parents had me when they were both 17 years old, Wow! which is really cool because I, uh, like, as we say, we like, we grew up together and when I was 18, uh, my parents had a, my mother had a stillborn child and it was my sister Sophia. And I remember that morning, where it was—it was huge build-up for it. Like I was like, "Oh my god! Like I'm gonna have a sister. I'm gonna have a sibling. Like I've been an only child for 18 years of my life, and uh, this is gonna be incredible. I'm really looking forward to how this unfolds." And then I remember getting the phone call, and it was my father, and he, could, he was blubbering, and he could barely get the words out of his mouth. Uh, and I remember cause I was getting ready to go for work. And at the time, I was I was I was a barman while I was studying to become a personal trainer, so I was getting everything ready, and uh, obviously dropped everything, went to the hospital, and when I got to the hospital, uh, they were like, "Do you want to see your sister?" Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, I really do." Uh, and they brought her out, and she wasn't even the length of my hand, mm. so I could I could hold her, uh, and they had her like wrapped uh, in a towel, and I remember just crying crying and being with her. She was warm by the time I actually like left her, and uh, it was amazing because I was trying to make meaning of why she had come into this world, and it was amazing because it, it brought the family together stronger, and so I, I just think that's incredible how someone didn't even take a breath in this world, but the soul came through. And there was a physical form there for it to be able to give us a gift. And I think that's something I think of frequently is, well, what's the gift that I can give to the world? What is the work? And we spoke briefly before, I was like, uh, through Alison Armstrong's work, I was like, I'm going through the tunnel right now and I've questioned everything in my life. I was, yeah. I was like, who is the man that I want to be? I, there was one day I was in the gym. And I stopped, stood there in the middle of the gym and I go, do I even just want to be the dude that rocks up to the gym and does this every day? Like I've done this for so many years. Do I, do I even just, it was like two or three minutes of just standing there in the gym questioning, do I even want to be there? Do I want to be married to my wife? Like do I continue want to be the father that I want to be today? Uh, Every label that I could try and consciously bring up that I thought was upon myself, I was like, I was wanting to like pick it up and look at it and be like, oh, I'm not too sure about this. Like, I've got to think about it. And so, when it comes to us being able to do the work that we want, because I think that's really important for us to be mission driven, how do we know, Josh, that we're doing the right mission? We're doing the right work
0: by what you're what you're sharing if we're not doing a somewhat continuous inventory like a spiritual emotional mental inventory it can be really hard because 10 years might go by and one person might say wow i haven't thought about my sister in 10 years because the pain was so great i just didn't want to feel it which would be a disservice to her life or you're in a career that 10 years have gone by and you've never done an inquiry and you don't know so you know by the inquiry you might not get the answer right away, but it's through that conscious inquiry. And, and I, this is what I've done with a lot of clients. It's really simple, but it's really powerful. You get a journal, you open it. On the left side of the page, you write 10 things that are causing you the most pain. And we all know, if, if we take 10 minutes, maybe after some breath work in nature or something, we all know the 10 things that are causing us the most pain or stress anything that's causing you um, anything other than love, you would record that. And then below that on the left side of the page, you would write 10 things that you are truly grateful for. Like when you think about them, your your serotonin, your dopamine in your, in your belly, you know, in your brain, like light up 10 things. And then from there you take a breath and you circle the one, you take time, you circle the one that's causing you the most pain. And we all know it, because a lot of people will go into overwhelm programs and, and this goes to your question too of how do we know we're on the right path you circle the one that's causing you the most pain and you know you know you know what it is and then you circle the one that you're most grateful for maybe so for me i'm most grateful for my son and my woman right and for me the thing that's causing me the most pain is why maybe a certain mental program for me keeps looping even with my level of development and so then I reach out to a coach or I reach out to a friend and I do the most powerful thing for clarity and that is I like if you were my coach I would say Chris I did an emotional inventory today this is part of my my conscious inquiry to make sure I'm on the right path and what I found was this is the thing that's causing me the most pain and this is what I'm most grateful for to alleviate that pain in other words like when it gets hard I'm going to lean on the fact that I love my family so much that I'm committed to letting go of this construct, this negative thing, this painful thing. And then there's so much power in that because I'm not hiding it. I'm not in shame. I'm actually doing the work of taking the inquiry. And most importantly, dude, I've practiced the vulnerability with you. I've shared with someone else like this is what's up for me. And you can do it in men's groups. It doesn't have to be as structured as I said it right now. It could be in a formal coaching relationship, it could be in men's groups, it could be in a church, if, if that's how you roll, like however you roll is fine. But the key is that we're actually doing it. We're actually doing it. And I talk about this a lot, this like arc of wellness or this arc of intelligence. We gather, we listen to Chris's show, we listen to wellness wisdom, we, we go to the conferences, we read the books. Maybe we even go to Tony Robbins and watch him hit drumsticks together, you know? We go to the things. But then when we come home, when we're done absorbing the information, this is where most people stop. And this is where most bypassing happens, is we don't apply it. So there's the gathering phase, that's where we run up to the top. There's the application phase where I share with my coach, I do the work, I do the cold therapy, I go in my garage in the morning and I actually use the glute ham bench, like I I go for it. And then over time, with enough time from gathering and application, eventually we, we return back home and we get to embodiment. So we we gather, we apply, and we embody. But you and I, all of us, we want to get the embodiment now. Mm. We wanna embody right fucking now. And that's okay because the brain wants what the brain wants. You know, we want safety, we want security. Yep. And so in order for us to to get to embodiment honestly. And that's the key, honestly, without having this existential pressure, actually fucking enjoying the journey, that we have to be willing to go through, gather and application back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then at some point, you will know with enough inquiry, with enough gather and application that you have embodied something because you'll get out of your car one day and you'll just feel it. You'll just be like, yeah, I actually don't think the way that I used to think anymore or... My body looks different now, or my woman treats me different now, or my friendships mirror back to me that I'm embodied now. But it won't be something where you'll command it. You can't command embodiment. If you try to command embodiment, that's, that's using our intellectual faculty for a heart and spiritual answer. It doesn't work. So we have to like, really honor that process. We have to honor that entire process in order to be in alignment, in order to know we're on the right path. And especially like for you in the tunnel, all you can do right now is be an honest inquiry. Just be an honest inquiry. Like every morning when you do your breath or for any of us that go through a tunnel, you could just say something really powerful. You could say, God, please allow me to be humble, to know what I need to learn and allow me the strength to embody that lesson something simple it doesn't even need to be that many words mm. but basically like God give like me the serenity g- yeah give me the humility to learn what it is that I'm supposed to learn yeah. and then also give me the strength give me the wisdom so that I may actually learn it mm. and oh, that God. that's that's the altar of growth right there now I, I make it sound simple It might be simple, but it ain't easy. Yeah, well said, very nicely. Because for me, it's
1: been very interesting. The, I believe the best personal development book is your journal. And for me, every morning it's, I sit down, I set my intention for the day. Uh, I kind of worked recently, it's been interesting, this practice I've got into where I set an intention for myself as a father, husband, friend, entrepreneur, with my happiness and my health. So these six areas of life. And so I set a quick intention for each of those areas. And then at the end of the day, I'll do like a reflection at the end of the day quickly as well. And then I'll rank myself actually every day. And so it's been very, very interesting going through and actually being able to go through this process because it was a, it was a tough habit for me to, to get into actually doing it. But then I was like, no, 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 no I, I have to do this. Like this is really important to me. Yeah. I'm going to put the effort in. And obviously applying smart things like from um, tiny habits and atomic habits like those books give really great wisdom into actually applying this and being able to put it into concrete use but we can
0: get stuck there if we're just reading and not applying exactly because we can just read all the books yeah and so it was yeah. only recently i had this
1: really big epiphany and uh, i had a nine out of ten day and i was like this is really good and so i was flicking back through the journal and it's somewhere around here i was flicking back through the journal and I could see why I would have a nine or a 10 out a day uh, or an eight and below. And I never use seven when I rank, I reckon seven a cop out number if you're doing a one to a 10 scenario. So for me, uh, I want to be in the nines and the tens. And the one common factor for me was I would not play the victim for me to be a nine and a 10. Really, really interesting. I was like, wow, this is great. And so being able to actually have a practice of how am I going and honestly being able to like, cause I think I was world-class at being able to shit talk myself (laughs) and just completely justify things that I should not have justified. And I was then able to then get some real clarity on what it is that I do and how am I actually showing up? Because for me it was a case of like at the moment, uh, in the entrepreneurial realm right now, I could give myself a 10 out of 10. This is great. Do you know I mean we're traveling in the States? Like, I'm in it. This is like full on. Days are good. Amazing. As a father, I'm, I'm a one out of 10 right now. Do you know what I mean? I'm away from my girls. Like, I have our call once a day, but like, I, I feel terrible. I miss them terribly doing this. And this is like, I have this real, like, I, I have the guilt right now, if I can be perfectly honest. And I'm like, I feel like a guilty piece of shit. Uh, but I also feel very called to do this work and to be able to start producing this. So I find it interesting as we go through because you brought up the ego before and I'd really love us to start peeling back that onion because I want to be able to, for myself selfishly and obviously to be able to share with the world. How do we understand where the ego plays its role? Cause I feel like I agree with you when it comes to like, it's not a bad thing where people just say like, no, the ego is bad. Yeah. Go away. Yeah. I think it has a place to
0: play, but we
1: need to be really aware about what that needs to be. So what the hell is
0: it? It's either integrated or not. So, so our egos individually and also there's a collective ego too that we yeah. all feed into. It's either integrated, and integration means there's a there's an understanding of why the protector or why the ego's there in the first place. I think the ego's a protector. Mm. I actually think the ego's good. Mm. I don't agree with Ryan Holiday, where he's like, the ego is the enemy. I actually, I think it's a great title, mm-hmm. but, and I haven't read the book. So I might be judging with my own ego. I think his if ego. I
1: could quickly jump in, I think there might be the, the using the words differently because I agree with both of you, but sorry, keep going.
0: So like, I don't think the ego is the enemy. I, I think the ego is the protector. So the ego is there. It's number one job. You know, because it resides, I think, energetically in the brain, essentially, right? The ego is, is the brain um, on some level. And then on some level, it's not. But my ego is always trying to protect me. So if I have an unintegrated ego, it's always in protection mode. It's, it's almost like um, if you gave a 13-year-old a Ferrari, they're probably going to crash it. So if my ego is very young... And this isn't a judgment, but a lot of times why our ego is unintegrated is because we go through severe trauma. And so when I go through, anyone goes through physical trauma, sexual trauma, um, neglect, or, or shaming trauma. I mean, there's so many ways. Trauma doesn't always have to be a single event. Trauma can be like 10 years of a relationship where there's massive neglect. Eventually, the nervous system talks to the brain the brain makes a, a pact with the ego and it says we need to protect ourselves in any situation where we feel threatened, where we're going to be deemed not enough, where we're going to be deemed unworthy. And it'll do, the ego will do everything it can to defend against being seen, not what's in real reality, because in real reality there's a lesson and I'll, and I'll get to the lesson, but the ego will do everything it can. And I know this because this has been how it's played out for me, everything it can to defend itself from looking stupid from looking like they don't know what they're doing or from looking like the big one which is i'm in shame or i'm i'm in disgust or really ultimate embarrassment embarrassment's the big one the ego does not like to be embarrassed right look at what happens with your children i see it with my son when they hit their head it's not that it hurts them most children when they fall they'll fall and then they'll look around to see if anybody saw them That's the ego trying to integrate itself. I find that so
1: interesting. Like they'll, they'll fall, they'll whack themselves, they'll look up, and I'm like, you're good. And their reaction can be like, oh, okay, I'm good. And I'm they good. just get on with it. Or if someone's around and they go, oh. Oh,
0: baby. Boom. Terrible. That's bad parenting. <laughs> you can do better as a parent. Like you can just be like, it's like if Nova falls, I'm like, you're okay, babe. You're okay, baby. It's all good. Here, let's go look at the tree. Just mm. pat interrupt, and interrupt, right? So, so really what I was talking about earlier, the, the ego is there to protect us. And so to the degree that I have processed, processed my trauma, either the, the many lowercase T's or the big capital T's, that's probably the most determining factor in how much I've integrated my ego or how much I live my life from my ego. And it plays out in relationships. Relationships are the biggest mirror, intimate relationships. They're like PhDs for ego integration because your partner will always mirror back to you exactly what you're not integrated exactly whether it's you don't want to look stupid or um you know my cock's too small my tits are too small my love handles my stretch marks whatever whatever we're trying to whatever the ego is trying to protect us from being in shame embarrassment being seen as not perfect it's going to dictate our behavior so how do we solve this how do we solve not being a victim of of the ego the example could be exactly what you shared So you're feeling some shame about following your mission, following your heart's content, and also you're feeling like you're a one with your family. What I assume, and this is only my experience, this doesn't have to be yours, my experience would be from an outside perspective, what if on the next call or the next connection you have with your family, you could say, hey babies, I want to share something with you. Daddy wants to share something with you. I'm out here and I'm doing these things and this is why I love it so much. This is why I do what I do so that I can be this great dad for you. I'm so excited to see you when I come home. You actually involve your family with what you're doing and then all the shame and all the guilt, it'll like melt away. Because instead of it being bifurcated, like daddy's on his mission and family's over here, That's just the ego trying to protect you. And I'm not giving you a diagnosis. It's just my experience. I I want to be clear about that, that. right? I do.
1: Please, keep going. Because
0: many of us us in the spiritual world, y'all, you can can get projected on. You can start believing other people's shit. So clear. Please. So so that's my experience, right? Yeah. So if I was coaching you, or if you were a client, or even a friend in, in a men's group, I would be like, wow, well, what would it look like? What would it feel like to involve your girls and to involve your family so much in what you're doing? That they're so excited for you and they feel so connected with you in what you're doing that there's no space for shame you've poured so much fucking light and so much connection with them for what you're doing it, there's no shame that can live there there's no guilt guilt's not welcome not because you're trying to get rid of the guilt mm. but because it just simply there's no vacuum for it to live in mm. there's no space for it to be there and then if it comes up again you you share with them again hey girls you know daddy's feeling a little guilty like i love you i i want it the next time i do a podcast tour like you know you're coming with me or whatever it is yeah. um so that can we can use that lesson in many different phases of life
1: i love that i really appreciate that and because that was what i was thinking about i was like maybe next time we come here we're all gonna come here Which i just did,
0: did that me? we went to la and i took my family yeah for for some podcasting yeah Totally. Yeah. Because I I felt that way too. I'm like, I don't, I don't just want to leave them all the time. Yeah. Totally. Yeah.
1: I, I really appreciate that. Thank you, Josh. Um, Yeah. Your answer to the ego is incredible,
0: and it feels right. It's a navigate. It's like, it's trying to, it's trying to just kick us back. Yeah. But, but if all we feel is the adjustment. Mm. And we don't listen to the wisdom of the adjustment Mm. from the ego, the protector, then we could become Mm. like looped on that. Like, oh, my God, I feel guilt. Oh, my God, I feel guilt that I'm feeling guilt. And it can just be this spiral that just takes us to Stressville. It's crazy come
1: up, right? Uh, Did you watch the movie June? No. Okay. Um, I love that movie so much. I've watched it again on the plane coming here. It's the third time. I don't know what it is, but it just speaks to me somehow. Uh... You said navigator. I was going to use the word compass yeah. uh, when it comes to it. And then I thought, hang on, there are multiple things that we could use as a compass. Anyway, in the movie, there's a point where there's, there's two moons and they have a special compass because there's two moons, obviously, to be able to find true And I was like, <laughs> that's me being a real nerd right now, loving it. How do we have a true compass if there's multiple moons, if there's multiple pools, Like, how do we get to our true north?
0: What would the multiple pools represent here in the 3D? Like when you say there's multiple pools or multiple moons, what what would that represent here? Maybe
1: let's even, let's use, I want to be, I'm just going to use myself for example. I want to be a man that I'm still running my businesses. I want to be a great husband, a great friend, uh, a great father. I want to be great with myself as well. Like these could be different factors that slightly pull. And for me, uh, what I've been doing is I, let's say I look at those six areas of life and I rank myself, but what I say to myself is I might be a 10 out of 10 entrepreneur now, but I'm a one out of 10 as a father now. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. if I zoom back, my goal is I wanna be able to over a month, over a year, over a decade know that I actually have been sufficiently filling those cups. So for me, I get, I kind of like default back into my business coaching mind where I go, running your business right now, like I believe there are five drivers to every business. You have to do lead generation, lead nurture, sales, delivery, retention, and upsell, okay? Now, the idea is you'll only ever have one constraint in your business that needs to be worked on right now right? So what will typically happen, let's say you're really crappy at lead generation, right? You just can't get leads. Uh, So what happens is if you get really good at lead generation, that will either break typically your lead nurture system or your sales system. So let's say you have so many leads coming through that your sales system can't handle it anymore and it breaks and becomes inefficient and your conversions go down. So therefore you change it. So for me in this aspect, The I, the goal, the intention is not to be a 10 out of 10 in all five, it's to be good at one and then continue on. Like it's a never ending goal. Yes. Um, Alex Schaffer, an amazing mentor and friend of mine says your business is broken and it always should be. And so what I'm trying to find, if I can apply concepts to then life, I was then looking at it as like with these six areas of life, I don't want to be a 10 out of 10 in all of them at once. But if I continue to zoom out, I can be not balanced. I can be in more harmony between those. Does that yeah. make sense?
0: Yeah. What I heard from you was it's it's a moving target in a way Yeah. where if you have these five elements and, and for me, you know, I have the five, the wellness pentagon. Yeah. So if I'm, let's say I'm pouring so much energy into finances that my spiritual development, my mental health my physical health start to go down, I think really what we need to talk about is is there's an internal arbiter inside of us that—that yeah. that is this comp, arbiter, compass, navigator, whatever etymology you yeah. want to use, right? Yeah. But, and I haven't thought about this, so let me, let me take a breath. Yeah. It's funny. I actually think that's it. I didn't even think, I, didn't, I wasn't consciously doing that subconsciously i didn't know what the answer was so i cued myself to breathe deeply and when i cued myself to breathe deeply like now the answer is clear when you're lost and i learned this on a vision quest that i went through um, if you ever get lost in the forest the most powerful thing you can do is stop just stop don't don't run around don't run to the next mountain don't try to let just stop and just gather your resources for there, find your water source, get, so, get a fire, get a shelter, and just stay there. Stay there until something else becomes so clear that you can't ignore it from where you stopped. So just stop, stop and breathe. And then you'll know, it's, it, it, it goes back to what we talked about with the inquiry, with the emotional inquiry. Because if you stop, then, <laughs> here's an analogy too, if, if the answer is at the bottom of a glass and the glass has a ton of dirt and sediment and confusion inside of it as to which one of my buckets are empty and I don't really know what's going on. The best thing you can do is just like set the glass down and wait for all the shit to fall. So, so I think that's how we do it is we, you know, we belly breathe. And this is why in the breathe program, the very first thing I teach people is like how to actually breathe properly. Because most people, and I know this because I used to be, are reverse breathing pattern people. So when I inhale deep through my nose, my belly should rise. But for a lot of people, when they inhale deep through their nose, their belly goes in. They're actually pushing against their own physiology. They're, they're fighting the parasympathetic lever that their body is asking for. And so there's a lot of strings and a lot of fractals in my answer here. But, but they're, they're all analogies that like a child would get. You know, like, hey, if you're stressed out, like just stop and breathe for a second. Or hey, if you don't like all the stuff in your water, just put your water down. Just wait a moment and just see. So that's how you would get clarity on whether it's like sales funnels or lead acquisition or spiritual development or whatever. Stop. But see, it's interesting because in that moment, the last thing that the mind wants to do is stop. Because the mind, the mind wants an answer now, right fucking now. I want the answer now. And we're, you and I are getting over this old school patriarchy. I think the patriarchy is important, just like I think the matriarchy is important. We need strong mothers and strong fathers. But people get it backwards. You have to be a strong father for you first. Then you can be that for your kids. Same with me. And for the moms, you have to be a strong mama. And then you can be a beautiful mama for your kids. Great. It, otherwise, it's like you're trying to serve from a place that you haven't touched inside of yourself. So I think that's the answer. is like, let go of this old system where people were tortured, slaves were owned. We get the answer. We want it now, rah, rah, rah. And give give ourselves some more spaciousness mentally and just allow ourselves to have larger gaps during the day and during maybe in our conversations. I interviewed a guy yesterday, Eric Zimmer from the One You Feed podcast. Mm -hmm. And when I would ask him a question, he would take seven seconds to answer. He'd be like... That's a really great question, and you guys feel that pause. There would just be like this pause, and that's what we need. We we need more pausing, so that we know which area needs more attention.
1: I love that answer. I recently uh, reread the Surrender Experiment. Oh uh, um, yeah, because everything that's kind of going on with me at the moment, I just it was I, I got it like jumped back out of me, I was like, oh no, I need to read this again. Yes. And I think of exactly that, like our constant wanting to move can be the very thing that stops us from getting there. And I love what you shared about, do you mean, vision quest and being in the forest, just stop, 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 dude. You, if you're lost. Yeah, just stop. you're going to continue to make it worse by trying to move forward with it as well. That's
0: and and also, don't, do you ever get the sense that there's opposing forces? In other words. There's, the, there's what the mind wants, which is like money in the bank, family's good, especially if I'll, I'll speak from my experience as a man. Mm-hmm. So like as a man, when my money's good and my family's taken care of, there's a beautiful weight that's lifted from my nervous system. Yes, It's, it's very refreshing. Yes. And then when there's times where like last month was amazing, but this month is a little short, I feel it. I feel my mind say, you need to close another deal or you need to do this. And I think that's healthy to a point, but I can't just listen to the barking of my mind because if I get in the habit of listening to the barking of my mind, then I'm, I'm out of center. In other words, I'm like leaning into just my mind instead of like all the trust and all the momentum I've built and all the things that are currently present in my life. I just forget them. Because maybe the money's down a little bit one month. And it's like, big fucking deal. Like, I know that the money's going to come. Yep. Because I, I've created it before, so therefore I will create it again. Yep. R- regardless of my external circumstances. But, dude, I'm curious how you feel about this. Because there's, there's, there's the responsibilities we have from the mind. And then there's, like, what our body wants and what peace wants and what love wants. I don't know if there's one answer for that. Ident- I, I don't. I don't.
1: I don't think there is one answer to that, but what comes up for me when you ask that is firstly giving a space between the thoughts that are coming in the mind and not taking them for truth and for what is. And then yeah. like, hmm, okay. Like it, it
0: could be. I'm noticing not... that I'm having this thought right now.
1: Yeah. Like it's not, it's not fact. and. I was definitely in that very reactive state of like that thought would come in and it would be like, oh shit, let's do it. sales are down. I have to do this now. Do you know what I mean? And it's like yeah. run, 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 work, 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 work. And you're trying to do everything to like peel it back in. And I think that's where a lot of people, what I've definitely seen in the business world, they will have peaks and troughs with their income.
0: Which is so normal, by the way.
1: Yeah. Well...
0: I mean, not, dr- not drastic,
1: yeah. but... but I, no, no, I, absolutely. So like, yeah. I think there, sh- there definitely should be peaks and troughs for sure. Yeah. But when I look at someone's business and I see dramatic peaks and troughs, it's typically because they're changing gears so many times and they're not truly solving the problem that needs to be solved. And right. I think that's the other thing, like... Uh, I think one of the best things we can do for spiritual development is business. Like it is an amazing mirror to see what's going on Yeah, and I can, I can definitely see things along the path where I did the work on myself and business just becomes so much better. And it's been really interesting previously going through this because for me, like very, very thankfully I'm down to a six hour a week CEO role right now and which gives me the space and freedom to do this. But it took me so much work to be able to happily surrender for the team and the systems to, to come on board and do that stuff. Yeah. And like, I literally had team members being like, Chris, like, get out of the way. Like, you're getting in the way, dude. And I was like, oh shit, like, really? Like, it was, it was a hard truth. I had a team member send me, he goes, do you actually trust me? And I was like, yeah, dude, I trust like, I genuinely believe that I did inside Josh. But my actions were showing that I didn't. And that's why I was like, oh, shit, no. But on on the flip side, I absolutely agree that I see business as well, or even life. It's kind of like a game of snakes and ladders. Do you know what I mean? Like, Sometimes you're just going to hit a snake and you slide down. Like That's Mm -hmm. a part of the game that you're playing at the end of the day. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: It's beautiful because I think about the game Monopoly. Yeah and sometimes like you know you lose monopoly like somebody gets to park place first yeah. or maybe they have the like they do the saint james place and they do like the medi- <laughs> the medium hotels and we learn man i mean if you the more you play monopoly the the better you get at knowing patterns and knowing how to play the game it's the same here but we forget and i and i have too we forget that Every single time we play business, we play the game of business, because yeah. you're playing a game, dude. Yeah. How long have you been in business? Like, how long have you been a businessman?
1: Oh, since I was 18.
0: Okay. So, you know, for 20 years, 20 years-ish? Yeah, just under, yeah. Okay. So for two decades, you've been playing Monopoly here in the 3D world. Yeah. So as long as you're doing that and you're catching yourself before you go into anger or shame or judgment, you're going to play the game a little bit better each time. A little bit better each time. And then eventually you'll step into an, a potential deal or you'll step into a potential anything in business. And you'll know from your experience, you'll know from your experience what to do without even knowing no why, you know, oh, it'll just, yeah. it'll happen. And I, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but Dispenza talks about this when it comes to compassion, when compassion and, and acceptance of others is uncommonly ordinary that's when you know you've moved from knowledge to information to wisdom so that applies to the monopoly that you and i are playing but what happens is and i'm 42 so it's taken me a minute to learn this one the more angry i am the more judging i am the more like my internal tyrant is allowed to bark that's the degree that my business suffers and my life suffers because i forget like oh my god i'm playing this game (laughs) i'm playing this game like oh Let me Instead of being angry or frustrated or like in the dumps about where my business is, let me just take a breath and remember. (sighs) When did I see this before? When did I experience this part of the game before? And what did I do last time? What did I see the winner do? What did I see the winner of the game do in this situation in a a previous round of Monopoly? And how can I apply that? That's what we pay for coaching for. We pay for coaching because we want to shorten the learning curve of pain and of failure so we ask them hey in this situation what did you do to win the monopoly game and they'll tell you so i think that's essentially it i know that's a very uh micro of a no, macro no, no. this is
1: really good but
0: but I, it's a real I micro this
1: thread, and i don't want to use that analogy even yeah, further yeah. because when you when you were saying that what came to my mind was the easiest way to win a game is to choose the game you're playing first yeah and then I think a lot of people, and this was me, so I'm just going to speak for myself, is uh, <clears throat> it changes when you change the game. What's the ultimate game we're actually playing? In life or business
0: or, or just business? Like, in, gen- in general?
1: Yeah. Like, this is a game in the end. We're, we're, none of us are getting out of this alive. Sure, sure. So what is it that we're really playing? And I, I say that very much. Uh, I like to believe that there's more after this when we pass this life uh the hindu philosophy do, do you mean this is just a drama i, I like that it makes me feel nice compared sure. to it just being like black after it
0: you yeah I mean? yeah if we
1: don't remember what it was like before we were born why are we so afraid of what it's like after we
0: die oh i have the answer go ahead. uh i learned this from alan watts um and it's written in a religious text called the Logos, that we drink from a river of forgetfulness when we come into Earth. And so we actually agreed to forget. We agreed to forget what the game's about. So my answer to you right now might change in the future, but from what I can sense, the the game we're playing is about how do I love you, love myself, and love the playing of the game? in whatever game I choose to play, right? So for you, it's wellness and health and business and, and parenting. For some people, it might be being a rock star. That's the game they choose. For some people, it might be being an exceptional videographer, right? That's the game they've chosen to play. So how do you do that without judging yourself, without getting angry at the game? And then also intuitively, how do you know when it's time to change games? Yeah. Like how do you decide... All right, I'm done with this game. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play this You're gonna new take one. Take my
1: bowl and leave right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I like this. This other game is, and and this is actually a really cool. I was I was speaking to a friend about this yesterday. I know when something is pulling my heart versus pushing my mind. Ah. If my mind is pushed to play a new game, it's probably coming from ego. It's probably coming from scarcity. It's probably coming from how much money can I get or. How can I extract what I want because my mind is pushing me to a new game? Or how can I feel my heart pull me to a new game? Not because I like wanna crush the game and master the game and get the most out of the game I can, but because the new game just interests me more. It's like if you're a child in a sandbox and you're playing with a dump truck and you see like this cool dinosaur, you would just go play with the dinosaur. It's, it's not like you're like, well, let me, a child's mind doesn't say, well, let me like play the most efficiently and the most, let me, let me dominate the sandbox with this dinosaur. No, you're just like, oh, this dinosaur is cool. So I think we deserve the same thing. That's
1: really cool. I really like that. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Me Thank too, you man. So much, me too, yes. it really good to finally get to you. Yeah, dude. likewise. Um, A
0: lot of the stuff that I've shared, I've never actually put together yet. Good. So this is really powerful Good. stuff. I
1: well yeah, thank you for that because my intention is for these conversations to be a conversation, but what I love I don't like listening to interviews and podcasts where someone's clearly rehearsing
0: like oh shtick. Dude, because, the worst can I tell yeah, please. the worst podcast is when the host starts the podcast and they say so tell us, Chris, like, how did you get to be where you are? I just turned it off the pod. I just turned it off. I'm like, that is the laziest podcast. That is the worst way to open a show. But when you can, when when you have a guest and they're just like,
1: these are my cards and this is what I play and I might play them a little bit differently, but yeah. it's the same thing time and time again. Like, I want to have a conversation where like, this is new. Like, let's let's bring this up. Oh, this
0: was fresh. It's
1: cool, dude. I really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, this was it. fresh produce. I really appreciate it. So yeah. I have... Two things I'm gonna ask from you. Uh, number one, when I come back here, can we jam again?
0: Let's do it. Uh,
1: yeah. Two, can you take us through a quick breathwork session?
0: Sure, I'd love that. Yeah, do. it's perfect timing actually. Yeah. Um, this will be three minutes. Yeah. And so for people that are here with us, if you want to go deeper, it's breathwork.io. Amazing. So that's the program, it's three weeks long. Um, there's a lot of things from BJ Fogg where he's like tiny habits, you know? I think, I think in three weeks you can truly change your life. I believe that. Mm-hmm. And so if you just do what we're about to do for three weeks, you don't even need my program. You don't even need to buy it. Let's do it. All but right, so. It. But buy it anyway. But, but buy it anyways because, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I traveled the world. I went, to, <clears throat> I went to Thailand for a month. I trained with a guy named Niraj. I've trained with a lot of people across the United States. Mm-hmm. So like what we're about to do is a distillation of what can get you out of your head in about three minutes
1: what i also find amazing uh is i've worked with so many amazing breath work practitioners uh and i just <coughs> love how it continues to unfold like it just there's yeah. so many flavors to it so yeah
0: got- okay feet so on the ground we're barefoot so definitely do your breath you know with your feet free um stack your spine so your hips your shoulders and your head are straight so you're no you're not leaning forward you're not leaning back you're just here okay one hand on your heart one hand on your belly Just close your eyes, relax your jaw, roll your jaw around a few times. We carry a lot of stress in our jaw. Roll your neck around a few times each way. Just use this next three minutes to absorb all the wisdom, all the love, all the good things that we talked about today. And I want you to just take a breath in through your nose and watch your belly rise. Breathe out through your mouth. Belly falls. Two more times. In through the nose. Belly rise. Exhale. Belly falls. One more time. Now we're going to do that 20 times together. inhale exhale audible sound <sighs> drop your chin to your chest hold for five inhale through your nose for five belly rises take another sip of air hold for five exhale five Ha. <sighs> For five now inhale hold take another sip of air hold for 15 seconds feel your belly protrude get maybe another sip of air fill your chest fill your belly fill your body with breath as much air as you can get in hold for another seven seconds feel the buzzing in your body, just feel the breath in your body, just feel the gratefulness that you have a body. And in three seconds, make a loud, audible exhale, open your eyes and smile. Three, two, one. Uh. (sighs) Mm. And just take another deep breath in. another deep breath out. (sighs) I feel like I went on a little journey with you there real quick. <laughs> Incredible. Mm. The box is great because the box grounds you. The circular is more explorative, right? More energizing, but box is really great. Oh, so that's yeah, just delicious. a taste, right? It's just the beginning of, of a seven or a 21-minute practice that, that we have in the program. And, and they're all really potent and they don't take a lot of time. You know, we can experience a lot of catharsis through breathing. I just did a a 25-person breathwork facilitation at the paleo conference here. Oh, wow. And I want to say over half the people were shaking and crying and, you know, I knew how to to hold them. Um, But anybody can do what you and I just did, Mm. right? Mm. And you do that every day for three weeks, Mm. your life can profoundly shift. Mm. Agreed. Thank you. You're welcome. Really cool. Can I give you a hug? Yes.
1: Thanks, brother. I appreciate it it
0: so much. Thank you, man. Mm, That was really good. Awesome podcast. I'm looking forward to round two.